Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam, and I am the Campus Support Team Director here at uh, South Mountain Community Church. With me, as usual, I've got uh, two guys sitting next to me. I've got Eric Nelson, our teaching pastor, and Paul Roby, our lead pastor. Guys, great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Really excited about today. A lot of good things on my calendar, especially uh, my small group kickoff. Small group uh, kicks off tonight at my home. Excited to dive into our new series, Reality Check, with uh, some people. You know, our group's been around for a long time, but we have some new new couples showing up uh, tonight, so really excited for that. Very cool. Yeah, I'm also excited. Uh, tomorrow night, our small group kicks off, and we are test driving the new discipleship material that I wrote, and so this is really... Uh, I've got a lot invested, I'll put it that way. I've got a lot invested mm-hmm. into this. I uh, really hope to use this next six, seven weeks to tweak this material so that we can make it available to our entire congregation. Yeah, you know, Paul, I'm excited to hear a lot about that. Um, I'm implementing Right Now Media, which is another tool we just launched at our church in my group, and so really excited about these two new tools uh, to help groups uh, take their next step with great content. Yeah, I'm doing uh, the same right now. video segments that you're doing, Eric, with our series that we're doing, and I'm actually looking forward to, I think, in the winter doing that fully, uh, that living FDFD material that you're talking about, Paul. So we got some great content that's that's happening here and excited about it. Guys, before we get started, I just want to go ahead and talk about a few quick things. One, um, first off, thank you for sharing, listening, subscribing. We are very close to 4,000 downloads for this uh, podcast, and it's all because of you sharing and listening and subscribing. So I do thank you for for that. We've got some uh, a review, really, and we do enjoy getting these. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to take 30 seconds to write a review on, on uh, the podcast player that you use to listen to this. Um, it's helpful, and we, we get encouragement from it. So somebody wrote in uh, just uh, the last week. They said, uh, thanks for putting these weekly podcasts together. I commute between my home uh, there in Utah and my work in California. Sometimes I fly, but since COVID hit, I've been driving. SMCC and Dave Ramsey are my go-to podcast. I'm really glad that we're up there with Dave Ramsey. I love Dave in, Ramsey. In his opinion. Yeah. Um, and he said, even if you don't have as many downloads as he does, which we do we're not. We're getting see. close, though. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, he says, our family is glad to call SMCC Lehigh home, and I'm glad to have connected with Pastor Shane, that's the campus pastor in Lehigh, and someone who I consider a personal friend of mine, Pastor Eric, we've got on the show here. Uh, One of the things I appreciate about what Pastor Paul has built is that SMCC is true to the Bible and that we are willing to talk about those tough or sensitive topics. Keep up the great work you guys are doing for our Father, and if you could expand the podcast to 10 hours each week, that would cover my drive. So yeah, No problem, Brian. Yeah, Coming we'll, right up. We'll just keep doing that, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll give him a little bit more. But thank you so much for writing that in. Uh, we super, super appreciate it. And, and just a reminder, if you do want to send us an email or uh, ask a question via our voicemail line or, or just by email is fine as well. Uh, you can do that in the description below. There are There's the phone number and the email, so you can get uh, right on that. Guys, we are continuing through the SMCC way and uh, have some uh, some things that are coming up. And this one's maybe uh, you know a little bit longer than, than usual, but some very important things here. We're on strategic objective number three. 
which is communicate grace and truth with everyone all the time. Paul, um, that uh, we've touched a little bit on this, but but we want to really dig into this now. What is it that brought this to your mind of like saying let's let's talk about this and put it in the SMCC way? Right. I've heard others use this phrase, grace and truth. So I don't want to make I don't want to try to pretend that this originated with me. Of course, it originated in the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse fourteen. Uh, this is what it says: The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is what the Apostle John said about Jesus Christ. He was full of grace and truth. Now, we've made this observation before, that people that did not live a life that was anything like Jesus actually liked being with Jesus. He was full of grace and truth. And I think sometimes we don't feel like we can tell people the truth. It's, it's too tough to hear. Um, it, it feels narrow. It feels exclusive. Um, we don't want to be holier than thou or come off as some sort of authority. But at the same time, if all you do is give people grace and say, well, it's okay, it doesn't matter, you know, that, that, is, that passes as grace sometimes, trying to be kind to people, not insisting that there is one way, there is truth, there is reality that is exclusive. By definition, those terms are exclusive. There's not many truths, there's not many ways to God, well, in, in insisting that there is one way and that Jesus Christ is that way to God, that reality is best understood in the context of Christianity, it's the best worldview that explains the way things really are, that isn't narrow. That's simply telling the truth. And if we can just do it in a humble way, in a way that gives people room to kind of chew on it, room to contemplate that reality, uh, an opportunity to ask questions without us reacting strongly to those questions, uh, when we can provide reasons. I think it's graceful to give reasons to, to good questions. I think that um, oftentimes churches are known as dogmatic, and really that word has come to mean simply a declaration of truth without any room for disagreement, any pushback at all. It's just dogmatic. It's just coming at you full force, rapid fire, and if you don't want it, you can leave type of an attitude. We're not going to do that. We want to have a dialogue. In fact, some of the more sensitive topics, things like... Um, homosexuality, for instance, uh, gender issues, um, suicide, um, hell, whatever it might be. We want to have a conversation about some of those, those topics, but we're going to set the table for those conversations by what we communicate from the, from the front, from the, the platform. And so how we communicate from the platform and then how we communicate interpersonally needs to reflect grace and truth. The best example from Scripture could be, I'm not sure 
if it's the best, but it could be Jesus with the woman caught in adultery, where the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were insisting that Jesus judge her as guilty. They brought this lady before him, and instead of doing that, he kind of turned the tables on them and said, well, you know, he who has no sin casts the first stone. We're not, we're not going to, I'm not going to stone her to death. Let's, let's look at this in, in the bigger context. Is anybody here without sin? And of course, they, um, like usual, if you're familiar with the New Testament, especially the Gospels, you know that Jesus often turned the tables on people and asked questions that caused them to walk away instead of having more conversation. And that that resulted in the same type of thing. I don't know what he wrote in the dirt. Maybe uh, some of their own sins uh, might have been. But then he turns to the lady and he says, go and sin no more. Well, first of all, he says, I don't condemn you. And then he said, now go and sin no more. I don't condemn you, grace, go and sin no more, truth. And so we've got to figure out a way to communicate both, not either or, but both all the time. Because there are churches that are known as grace type of churches, and then there's churches that are known as truth type of churches. But there's absolutely no reason why we can't have both all the time, and that's what SMCC is trying to do. I love that, Paul. I think as people listen to our sermons, they can see uh, what Jesus, you know, exemplified in our messages, these moments of hope and help, you know, go, send no more, we, we don't condemn you, you're welcome here, and then moments where we are very clear clear about what's true. When we say things like the gospel is bad news before it's good news, that that is a statement that really is focused on the clarity of the gospel, truth. Now, on the drive-in, I was listening to The Bible Project. If you guys are look, looking for another great podcast, um, kind of nerdy, but uh, I'm kind of nerdy too. So they were talking about the use uh, of the Hebrew word grace throughout the Old Testament 175 times, roughly. And they're looking at the passage in Exodus that says God is uh, gracious and compassionate. Compassionate comes first, compassionate and gracious. And they're talking about the word grace. <clears throat> it was very, very fascinating um, the way it's used. We have, you know, kind of adopted these biblical words into our English vocabulary. We don't even think twice about it. Um, but they do this deep dive into grace. Um, so I think we should define the terms here real quick. Grace getting better than I deserve. Um, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, they received from Jesus better than they deserve, and then truth, that which corresponds to reality. Now, Paul, you were picking up some phrases as you were talking there from our, our Sunday message series that we just started, the story of reality. Christianity is the story of reality. It's the best explanation for the way things are. So truth is that which corresponds to reality, and we want to help people live aligned with reality. We said in the sermon, nothing's more important than living in reality. Right now in our world, I'm more confused than ever about who is telling me what's real, um, but I can be certain that Christianity is what's real during a time like this. One of the things we're pushing back on is this idea of you can have your truth and we can have our truth. Another thing we're pushing back on is that there you can read a Bible passage and it can mean something different to a, each, each reader. Mm -hmm. In other words, you could have private truth. Mm -hmm. Now, we believe in different applications to truth, but we think that there's one meaning of that passage that was intended, mm -hmm. intended by God, intended by the author, and so we're working hard to figure out what it meant to the original hearers or listeners. And once we got that, 
I think now we, we're free to apply it in, in many different ways. Yeah, if it's true to one person here, it's true to everybody everywhere. I mean, that's the nature that's it. of truth. So there we go. Excellent. Well, what I want to do next, guys, is provide more um, detail to this, is to go through our documents. Um, and, it, and it's almost written in a conversational way, which I like. So uh, as I look farther down in strategic objective number three, what I see is it says, question, what does it mean for us, SMCC, to communicate with grace? And here's some of the answers to that. It says, start with where our people are presently. We don't make them climb into our world of ideas and understanding. We make the effort to understand them and communicate in ways that put the goodies on the bottom shelf. I love that terminology. Yeah, I, I, um, I've said to different people that know that I've read a lot of John Piper, and uh, John Piper said that he was put on the earth to make Jonathan Edwards understandable. <laughs> and I tell people I was put on the earth to make John Piper understandable. I was put on the earth to make Paul Roby understandable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I don't know where it came from, but I, I certainly didn't originate with me. But I like this idea of taking deep doctrinal truths, very important and foundational biblical truth, and making it understandable to the average person. One of the things, one of the reasons I wrote the curriculum I did for discipleship was to introduce people to the disciplines of, of the Christian life and make them understandable. Because, let's face it, most people don't do disciplines the way that are talked about by Richard Foxster and Dallas Willard and people like this unless they don't work for a living or yeah. don't have children. So I want it. I want that for every person, and I think that's part of the grace that we're trying to communicate is we understand you live busy lives. We understand that your lives are complicated. We understand that you have lots of responsibility. We want to enter into your world and make this as understandable as possible. Uh, not that we can ever make it so that it, it takes no effort mm -hmm. on your part. But at the same time, we're going we're gonna to make this so presentable to people, they can easily take it in and do it. Yeah, I want to give a couple examples of this just in this week that I'm, I'm working through. Um, so we're doing this series, The Story of Reali Reality Check, which comes from the book, The Story of Reality. And I've told people it's the more accessible version of mere Christianity. So I like the word accessible, Paul, to describe right. what you're talking about. We want uh, busy moms. We want dads who are putting in 60-hour work weeks to have accessible ways to take their next steps in discipline. So I like the word accessible. Now, another example of of working hard to pick words and, and communicate the deep truths of the gospel in accessible ways um, is in the idea of imputation. Now, imputation is the theological concept that Jesus took what we deserve so we can have what he deserved. Our sin imputed to him, his righteousness imputed to us. Now, imputation is, that's not putting the, the cookies on the bottom shelf. So we've used another word often, exchange. It's the great exchange or the great substitution. There was an exchange that happened. There's a substitution that happened. Well, I'm writing part four, maybe it's part five, I've lost track, of Reality Check, and I'm actually going to use a different word because I think it makes it maybe even more accessible, puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. It's the word trade. I think we understand that word, and so I, I always want to communicate the essentials of the gospel, but use words that make it very accessible for people who aren't comfortable with imputation, maybe not even comfortable with substitution, but there was a trade that took place. Our sin traded for his righteousness. And I think trade is an example of, 
of this. It's us trying to find words that put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Excellent. I love that that example, Eric. That's a very practical one. Um, here's one that I'll, I'll kind of go over quickly. I think we've hit on it pretty well before. So we respect, this is how we communicate grace at SMCC. We respect their journey, the people attending, and do not require that they make decisions that they are not confident that they are ready to make. So that would be one of our values, that we respect the process in which God changes people from the inside out. We're not going to force people to Simply do something. Simply put, we're not going to ask them to give their life to Christ then and there on Sunday morning after hearing in a 30-minute message. We want that to be more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Here's another one. Uh, we communicate unconditional love from God to them and from us to them. So we want to communicate that unconditional love in a, in a practical way to them. Uh, the next section says, uh, it kind of turns a corner. It says, question, what does it mean for us to communicate with truth? So here's what it means for us, SMCC, to communicate with truth. Declare whatever corresponds to reality. Scripture is the best source we have to judge what is true and not true. So, want to declare what's true. Reality check. Yep. <laughs> Go listen to Sunday's message uh, from last week and then tune in next week because this is what this whole series is about. Yeah. So, wanting to, we, we think we communicate truth by communicating reality. Mm-hmm. Another one is we understand that reality can be difficult to deal with. Therefore, we communicate truth in helpful and hopeful ways. So we've touched on this too, but yeah, we're not doing It's one of our gloom. values, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes, and Paul, uh, you've uh, used this illustration many times. In fact, you used it on Sunday, um, that uh, it's kind of a two-story worldview. You know, on the main floor, Monday through Saturday, that's where you use facts. That's, you know, how you approach your business. But on Sunday, you walk into this world of happy fiction. You go to the second story of your worldview or of your home, and, and their facts don't necessarily matter. And what we're trying to say is that uh, believing a happy fiction will always uh, become an ugly lie over time. <laughs> happy fictions become ugly lies. And um, we want to challenge people with that, but it's really because we love people. No one wants to believe a lie. It'll cost you in the long run. And so this is where we challenge the status quo. This is where we want to check reality. We want to um, kind of escape a happy fiction uh, and embrace real truth. And that really leads us into this next point of answering the question, how do we communicate truth? It says, we do not believe that our perception is our reality. Reality is reality, Mm -hmm. and perception may or may not correspond with that. I get a lot of flack for this from people because their favorite statement is perception is reality. I I know what they mean by that. It's that person's reality. That's the world they it's live in. It's real to them. It's real to but them. But it's not reality. Exactly. It's real. Yeah. And and so that's what we're saying. We want to actually call people to reality out of what has been real to them. And 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 that's very challenging. And whenever you do that, we better be ready for pushback because it's painful to have to admit I've been following a lie. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking wrongly. And it's interesting just in our culture and context here in Utah, there's so many people facing right. this, this tension. Right. Uh, wait, so for 40 years, I've been living in a lie and people have been lying to me. I mean, that's a very common thing. Oh, it's so and painful. I don't think that we can appreciate the difficulty of that if we've never been part of a mind-control authoritarian cult. Mm. Wow. 
kingdom. We said on Sunday that Christianity is the comprehensive account of the way things are. You know, that is such a, just a startling, shocking way to talk about uh, Christianity. It's not a, just a formula for being saved. It's an account. It's a history of the universe, verifiable. I mean, that is such a profound way to, uh, to talk about Christianity, and, and I really do love talking about it in those terms. Yeah. Here's the next one. Truth is our friend when we live in the light or truth. We will glorify God and experience freedom. So, truth <laughs> is that a, yeah, what is that and, saying? And, truth and, will and set G- you free. In <laughs> John eight, I believe Jesus said, "You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." And I think it was the Apostle Paul said, uh, uh, "Oh boy, I got to paraphrase this one." Uh, if you um, embrace Christ, you will be free indeed. Mm-hmm. That's a paraphrase. Yeah, yep. Next one is, truth is not relative, it is timeless and transcends culture. Yeah, you know, Adam, I think a lot of people would say they choose their religion based on uh, preference or, um, you know, kind of what they, what they would say is working for them. They don't approach uh, religion or belief or worldview from a sense of, I want to believe what's true, you know? Uh, Christianity is true and real in the sense that two plus two is four is true and real. And and I think this is um, the best way to approach your worldview, is to follow truth wherever it leads, and um, I think uh, eventually you'll arrive at Jesus. And so this is um, a different approach to uh, to spirituality. Excellent. Here's uh, the, and oh, with that, ahead. let me just add this. We're not asking people how they feel about it. That, that, that's something you'll never hear us say. How does that make you feel, or how do you feel right now? Feelings really don't matter. Feelings lie to you often. Feelings are, are valid only as they correspond with reality. Yeah, and I think that that's important just for people to understand that it's not for us to be harsh, but it's we ultimately want what's let, best for Let me them. rephrase that. Feelings are valid in terms that you really do have those feelings. But if they don't correspond with reality, your feelings will lead you astray. That's, that's what a, I meant yeah, to say. Mm-hmm. That's exact, That's a, that's a great way to, to wrap that. Um, here's one that I think is so important, and I think people in Utah, this is very unique to them. Uh, here's our point. When we don't know, we say, I don't know. It is very important that we communicate that there are things we simply don't know instead of being dogmatic on subjects that are not clear in Scripture. I think this is a shock to some of the people uh, that I've instructed over 20 years in what is Christianity, and they ask questions that are very, very difficult. For instance, what happened to my cousin? They committed suicide, blah, blah, blah. Where did they go? Did they go to hell? And when I say, I don't know, I didn't know your cousin, and... I, w- I think I need to be humble enough to not guess regarding their eternal destination, not knowing their heart. The other question is, what happens to all the people who have never heard of Jesus Christ, never were in a situation where the gospel is explained to them, all this kind of... Basically, the Bible's silent about that, and so we're silent. And I think that gets us points with a lot of seekers when we just say, I don't know. Yeah, we want to be real if, uh, you know, and that's really important. I think um, I think this is a tough one for a lot of people leaving the primary religion of Utah because the primary religion of Utah has an answer to 
everything. I mean, it is a black and white system. There's not a lot of gray. It's this is the way it is, and there's an answer to everything. So when they come here and we say, I don't know, that actually, um, it, 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 at first it makes them uneasy. Like, what do you mean you don't know? You don't have this broken down? Can I see the manual? Can I see the textbook? You know, what, is, what does your president say or your prophet say about this, you know? And, and so it's a little uncomfortable at first, but then when, we under, when people understand that the Bible doesn't address it, it didn't intend to address it, they, they really understand that we're being real with them. Often wrong, never in doubt. <laughs> Excellent. <clears throat> I like this one. I appreciate this one a lot. And um, sometimes I fall into this trap myself when I'm on stage, but I try to be conscious of it. Uh, how do we communicate truth? Uh, here's a point. We will never bait and switch anyone for any reason ever, i.e. Here's the, here's the, here's the thing that I uh, have to think about a lot about. We don't want to promote an event as something that it is not instead of what it is really meant to be. Now, Eric, I've heard you talk to me about this sometimes, just about not, or and actually, Paul, both of you have talked to me about it. Can you elaborate on this one a little bit more? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just pretty simple. I mean, typically in churches, churches are desperate to get people to show up to something, so what do they do is they say, this will this will change your life. This will be the best thing you've ever been to. Make sure you go sign up. Then those people show up expecting that, and they get there and like, that oh, was okay. We don't want that. We want to overpromise. Uh, excuse me. We want to overdeliver, which means, hey, we think if you're in this category, you're going to really enjoy this event. Then they show up and they go, "Wow, that was amazing." We prefer that experience for people uh, in our church. So, underpromise, overdeliver. And uh, we have this is extra difficult when it's a guest speaker, and we have to sit down actually with guest speakers and say, we build this event as blank, you know, and, and, and we explained that to that person. We said you would talk about this. Please talk about that and don't go off on your own little thing. For instance, almost like a, a concert if we ever, and we never do this anymore, but if we were to invite a band in and they wanted to do an altar call, a, a guest speaker wanted to do an altar call. No, we didn't advertise it as that. It's not that type of an event, so please don't do that. That would violate our SMCC way, and it would violate grace and truth, because we said that this is going to just be a concert. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're talking a little bit about how the sausage is made here, Paul, those events um, get talked about in our Sunday morning services, in the announcements, in the hosting part of our service. Now, those moments, the, the host actually has a lot of pressure on them during that moment because most people in the seats thinking, okay, they just got to say this stuff. And it's just the tune out moment for a lot of people. But these are important things happening. And so um, I work hard to make those three minutes as important as any three minutes of the service. So uh, I spend a lot of time coaching people, hosting services, and I talk about spend as much time on those minutes as you would spend on those minutes in a sermon. I mean, this is not, these are not throwaway minutes. And so I was talking to Adam just yesterday about some hosting he's doing in the service uh, on Sunday. And um, I always want our host to put the why before the what. Because we value blah, 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 you should check out this event, the why. Because we're a church that thinks this matters, da, 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 we have this coming up. And so it's the why before the what. And, and we just think that's how you cast vision. Uh, we think that uh, keeps our communication true and full of grace before just show up at something. Excellent. Yeah, and, and I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. So there was the point of we will not bait and switch, and then there's the second point, which is we will not overpromise, which we just basically talked mm -hmm. about. So we don't want to bait and switch. We don't want to overpromise. This next section is the platform communication. We take this pretty seriously at SMCC just because we want to be very intentional. Um, here's this first point, and I love this um, because 
it, it, it is unique, um, I, I think, for, for churches in this area. We will not speak about Mormonism directly, but we will correct LDS theology on a regular basis without mentioning the source of that aberrant, <laughs> no, I don't know this word, <laughs> aberrant theology. Man, that's embarrassing. Uh, but basically, you know, let's, let's break this down a little bit. What, what is, how does this play out practically? Yeah, the, the average person that came to us from a different church, different state, whatever, they're already Christians, they're listening to one station. That's how I like to put it. They're tuned into one particular FM station. And the LDS person is tuned into a different station. Now, we can say the exact same thing, and the LDS person, because of their background, will hear us compare and contrast very directly LDS theology. They get it. They're making the connection. They're connecting the dots, so to speak, as we're speaking. Uh, like, that's not what I was taught. Mm -hmm. That's new. That's different. I'm actually intrigued by this. Mm -hmm. The person in the pew that uh, came from another church or grew up as a Christian, they're just saying to themselves, hey, I love that uh, reinforcement of biblical doctrine or biblical truth. This is good. Mm -hmm. no, making no connection at all. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of um, <clears throat> church planters perhaps come to Utah and think the best way to reach Utah is to talk about Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or the Book of Mormon from the stage. But Paul, what you've helped me understand, and for 20 years helped this church understand, is Mormon bashing is uh, not how you build trust with somebody from that culture. It's a loser, yeah. and, and nobody's going to bring their friend. If that takes place on a regular basis, nobody's going to bring their LDS friend to church. That's just not going to happen. They're too afraid you would embarrass them. So here's an, a perfect example of, of talking about an LDS concept without ever mentioning uh, a word or a phrase that would basically be a trigger for a Mormon in the seat. We just had, and you can go listen to these messages, we just had Vision Sunday. And one of the things I love to say in our online services and in our in-person services is this. When we say vision, we don't mean someone had a vision. So if you're an LDS person and you're familiar with Joseph Smith's vision narratives, uh, you come here and say, hey, it's Vision Sunday. <clears throat> they might think, or often do think, oh, someone here had a vision. Huh, very fascinating. What we say is, it doesn't mean Paul Roby had a vision where God downloaded something. It's, this is where we envision our church in the future. This is our preferred future. Yeah, and so... <clears throat> If you are in another state, you don't need to break it down like that. I mean, that just seems like a waste of time. Like, why are they breaking this down, getting all nuanced about the word vision? Well, in Utah, you must, because an LDS person has a different understanding of the word vision. And I, I should probably point out that, and I'm not saying bad things about churches that do altar calls, but I can remember one time we were considering bringing Franklin Graham as a group of pastors, a group of churches, to Utah. And I made the point that this is problematic because Franklin Graham doesn't have a background of doing ministry in Utah. And so if he said, who here wants to place their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation? Each one of those key words means something different to an LDS person, and there's not a Mormon in Utah that couldn't raise their hand and say yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's a meaningless invitation. Correct. 
And I think it's just, you know, practically, I just loved learning from both of you as you guys write messages. And then I, I preach occasionally is just how, you know, we're just never going to write up a, 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 a script or an outline where it's, here's the point, And we say, hey, this is what the gospel says. And this is what the LDS faith says. We never compare it like no, that. We no. say, this is what the gospel says, and this is what religion says. And so it's more disarming. But yet, everybody who has an LDS background, their ears perk up when they, when they hear us contrast those two things, and they go, oh, that's what I, that's what I believed or well, believe. The beautiful thing about that is a lot of Roman Catholics, a lot of Southern Baptists, a lot of Seventh-day Adventists, a lot of, you know, go down the list, a lot of people grew up in religion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that actually we would consider even evangelical churches, but the message they got is a performance-based Christianity, that you earn God's favor, that you earn His love, you earn His blessing in your life. That's everywhere. That's not just in Mormonism. Correct. Now, this is a, this is a joy for uh, me, and I think for all of us as communicators, is to find creative ways to speak to LDS theology in a way that uh, is sort of, um, I, I guess, just creative. It's, it's, a, it's a roundabout way. So we find at SMCC uh, in our messages, there are moments where we pause and break down something that other churches would just go, why are they breaking that down? You know, a great example would be Galatians 1. If, even if an angel from heaven were to preach to you another gospel, let him be accursed, okay? That is um, a fantastic passage to communicate in this culture because that is the story of Mormonism in many ways. And so we love to talk about that verse often because it's very helpful to um, an LDS listener to see that even 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul assumed that there would be different gospel messages or false gospels being communicated. So, uh, it, you know, one of my big challenges is to become an expert in Mormonism, because the more you're well-versed in Mormonism, the more you can find creative ways to communicate the truth into it. And that is, uh, man, that is just really thrilling. Boy, we're, we were shocked in moving to Utah that it's almost as if the Apostle Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, anticipated Mormonism. He wrote so many things that are apropos encountering LDS doctrine. Yeah, crazy. It's it's really helpful to hear, and I hope our listeners can just take this in, and whether you're thinking about coming to SMCC or are at SMCC and, and just understand this. Here's, here's a, a long point, um, and I'll read through it so listeners just listen closely to this under kind of that um, subheading of platform communication. So so here this is kind of a paragraph long, but I want to read it. Uh, we want skeptics, atheists, the unchurched, and agnostics to hear the gospel. Therefore, we will preach with their questions and concerns in mind, even if they aren't in the room yet. When we speak to people who aren't in the room yet, those people will eventually enter the room and may hear the message o- online. Our church will become a safe place to bring a doubting, disinterested, or agnostic friend. When they show up, we hope that they understand that we were expecting them. If they find the message helpful the first time, they are likely to come back a second time and even bring someone else along. They might even say, it's like you were talking directly to me, which we've all actually heard uh, personally. (laughs) Even the Christians in the room will slowly pick up on something. 
They will learn from us how to have a conversation with their non-Christian colleagues, family members, and neighbors. Yeah, I, lo- I love this point. I mean, as I was talking about becoming an expert on theology, as we talk about studying the Bible, um, we also want to become an expert and study our culture. And this is how people can say, it was like you're talking directly to me. Uh, Number one, we just reflect on our own lives, and so we have something to talk from because we are uh, just very much like the people in the seats. But at the same time, uh, people in the seats are on a well-worn path. You know, sometimes it's like, you were talking directly to me. I'm like, man, you, you're, you're special, but your story is not that unique. You are on a well-worn path in life. And so when we speak to those well-worn paths as we study culture, we become, uh, I just think, relevant communicators. Now, I have a story uh, about this uh, Sunday night. <clears throat> we had Draper's evening service out on the lawn, freezing cold. Oh my goodness, I was I was so chilly. Uh, and a lady came up to me after the service. She says, you know, I spent 40 years in the LDS church. I now consider myself agnostic, and I love it here. Now, we hear that a lot at SMCC, and so it's easy to think, well, that's cool. But for whatever reason, I thought, we cannot take that for granted. That type of statement is amazing. And then she went on to say, and I like to bring my agnostic friends here too. So let's just pause. You have a non-Christian inviting other non-Christians to a Christian church. That is a miracle in my mind of God's grace. I mean, when does that ever happen? That is so rare. And it's because of this value. She said, this series, The Story of Reality, seems perfect for an agnostic. And it's like, as weird as it sounds, yes, we write message sermons that are perfect for agnostics at SMCC because of this value right here. And so that was just a great story. That's Belong Before You Believe, uh, and then Invest and Invite, all built together. Two values of ours, all built together. She could belong before she believes, and she's inviting other people to belong before they believe. It was so encouraging. You know, this is part of what we call discipleship, when we model for our people how to have conversations with non-Christians. We're told to have an answer for the hope that is within us, but that means we need to coach our people how to have an answer for the hope that's in them. It doesn't come naturally. People don't think apologetically. People don't think about how to answer typically how to answer the questions of a non-Christian, if, especially if you grew up in a Christian subculture and were never asked those questions by your friends or colleagues because everybody you work with is a Christian, everybody you know is a Christian, mm-hmm. you vacation with Christians, you see everything. It's just your subculture. We want to help that person now get into this culture, be a light and, and actually have something important and, and helpful to say to their colleagues. Yeah, and uh, in two examples of uh, assuming questions of non-Christians in our messages, uh, this coming Sunday, we're in the story of reality part two, reality check part two, and we're talking about God as creator, and we're going to walk through that, and then we're going to pause and say, well, let's ask this question, who created God? That is a perfect example of saying this is an agnostic or skeptic's question next. If God created everything, and everything has a beginning, then who created him? So we're going to deal with that. Here's another example. We're dealing with evil in this series, Reality Check, because, of course, evil is in our story of reality. Everybody's story has to make sense of bad things and evil. And the question is, for, for most skeptics, well, if God created everything and evil is a thing, then God must have created evil. How how can I trust a God like that? So I'm kind of teasing that out. I hope people will tune in because we're going to answer that question. And I hope every person who attends SMCC and is a Jesus follower can answer that question personally from their from their friend who's a skeptic. They don't have to say, oh, go listen to Eric. He has a great answer. No, I want to answer it in a way that 
what what you said, Paul, coaches people to then answer that question themselves. I mean, this is really important to who we are as a church. We actually quote Richard Dawkins making the most, oh, just hurtful mm-hmm. uh, accusations toward Christianity. It's just he he has he's a wordsmith. He can use words that are daggers. Yeah. And in in his mind, he has cut the legs out from under Christianity. We'll we'll actually read those quotes and then respond to them, mm-hmm. and and without calling him an idiot or a fool or something like like treat that treat him with respect. And and what we're saying is we respect him enough to actually answer that back. Even though he wasn't stating it as a question, he was stating it as an accusation, we'll receive that as something that uh, he is missing the mark on. Mm -hmm. Not that that makes him a bad person, but at the same time, we'll respond. We're not afraid to do that. Yeah. You know, another thing about platform communication, Paul, that we talk about, and it's on actually the next uh, section here, Adam, but it's uh, we don't want to be the heroes in our own stories at SMCC. In fact, I was uh, scrolling Instagram yesterday, and there was a pretty famous pastor uh, doing this little bit. You know, he, he captured it and put it on Instagram, and um, he's playing guitar in his sermon and singing a song. And I thought to myself, that's really interesting. You know, it's kind of a look at all the talents I have type of moment. We don't want to be the hero in our own stories. I mean, that type of communication just comes across as narcissistic. As a rule of thumb, if you're going to use yourself as an illustration, make sure it's a negative yeah. illustration. Yeah, yeah. And those are. I talked about uh, my bomb of the first semester of of college last week, and someone came up to me and said, "I resonated with that. I bombed too." It's it's like I spent 35 minutes talking about what I think are these deep concepts, but it was the bombing of my first semester of college that resonated with one listener. You know, it's right. so it's so interesting how those stories click with people. Excellent. Guys, we're going to start wrapping up here with this last section here. So stop me if there's <laughs> something you want to uh, comment on, and I'll, I'll stop for it. So this is the, the last section. It's interpersonal communication. So how do we you know, communicate uh, truth to people? And this is through interpersonal communication. The uh, first point is communicate with accuracy, authenticity, sensitivity, and clarity as emotionally and relationally intelligent adults. So that's a good way to help communicate truth to people. Another one is this. Convey to those under our care that we have their best interests at uh, at heart as well as the interests of the kingdom. So we're, we want to be for them. Um, we're for them and also for the interests of the kingdom. So yeah, this is, just, this is a balance. I mean, um, I don't want to pretend, you know, someone's listening to this, that we always get this one right. Um, one of the things I've been processing a lot lately as a leader is the balance between relationships and results. Um, interest of the kingdom, that's more and more people taking their next steps. Uh, best interest at heart with individuals is through relationships. Now, of course, best interest is them taking their next steps in the kingdom, but um, there's just this balance of relationships and results, uh, people and processes, balancing those two things. And um, I'm constantly praying and asking God to help me with wisdom, know how to balance those two things. I do want to comment on that too, and that is when we're talking about communicating with grace and truth, we really do mean clarity. Clarity is a gift. Too many people have kind of hedged the truth by using inaccurate language or language that could be misunderstood. And the vagueness of language kind of gives them an out. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do that. We actually want to be counted as people who mean what we say 
and say what we mean. Mm. And that's a gift to people. I really do believe that. Now, we don't try, we say that with humility so that it has grace connected to it and some kindness and some mercy, but we're going to be clear. Here's the next one that um, I think for anybody who wants to really understand and get just down in the, the dirty details, this is a big one for us. It's something that you know I had to learn and pick up on um, being on staff here, and I'm realizing the good reason for it. Uh, here's this next point. Operate as people accountable to God and His Word who make wise, decision ba- wise decisions based on what the Bible says and godly counsel, not as people who feel their way through life. So it says in, in parentheses, we avoid language like God spoke to my heart the other day, or I feel like it is God's will that I... Dot, dot, dot. This is a really important one for us as a, as a culture, as a church. You know, I, I mentioned Christian subculture uh, earlier, and that's just part of the Christian subculture. We know that. We know how people speak, and, and a lot of times they don't mean anything bad by it. But it leaves people that are uninitiated in the Christian faith with this idea that you hear directly from God and that that supersedes the Bible. And that's dangerous. We always want to be under the Bible, Mm -hmm. under its authority, and communicate as clearly as we can our understanding of the Scriptures, always admitting that it's possible that we don't get it right. But one of the things we don't want to do is try to speak for God when He has not spoken. Wow, very good summary there. Next point is be life-giving and non-adversarial in the way that we approach conflicts with others. So I want to handle that with truth and grace, obviously. Uh, we want to be interested and curious with all people. Man, if there's one thing I've learned about being a pastor in ministry is take interest in in people. Be curious about them. People, generally speaking, love to talk about ask themselves. Ask questions. Yeah, ask questions. Yeah, try to, figure, try to figure out who they are. Paul, one of the first things you told me when I started working here is when you walk in a room, don't say, here I am, but there you are. And I thought, that's a great way to, to talk about this Great value. summary. Mm-hmm. Next one is listen and ask questions. That's, it's very similar to the other one, but very helpful. Uh, next one is don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. Man, we preach that all day. To <laughs> I mean, it's so helpful. And uh, it's unbelievable, in my experience, how many churches get that one thing wrong. Yep. Just allow them to belong before they believe. Yep. They're not going to be getting it right. Go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, just saying to my, you know, I'm, I'm a part of that group. I just, you know, sometimes I find myself thinking that I'm expecting non-Christians to act like Christians. So just a good expectation. Last one here is tell the truth and own your failures. Um, great thing for leadership. Yeah, we, we read a book as a staff called Extreme Ownership, and it really got into depth about this and how important it is for, for instance, the Navy SEALs. The book is about a lot of stuff about Navy SEALs because two Navy SEALs wrote the book, but how important it is in, in war to own your failures, own your mistakes, and and it creates an atmosphere of getting it right. Because you can get it right if there is humility among everybody to say, yeah, I didn't do that well, here's what I should have done, I'll get it right next time, then other people chime in and say, well, I'll, I'll do that too, and I didn't do my part right either, and I'll, I, I pledge to you, I will have your back the next time. And 
there's all kinds of ways to own failures, but a lot of times it is to just say, you know what, I'm sorry, I blew that, and I uh, deeply regret that. I will make it my best effort to not let that happen again. And when you have a culture of grace and truth, you can tell the truth about your failure, knowing that other people on your team or your staff will respond with grace. That's the hope. There you go. We want to be a culture uh, as a staff and volunteer teams of grace and truth so that we can own up to our failures, live up to truth, and then uh, experience grace from each other and give grace to each other. Excellent. Guys, thank you for just taking the time to walk through this. I think there's just so many pieces that we got to cover, but I'm really glad that we got to do it for for our listeners. Next week, we'll be going through strategic objective number four, which is an irresistible volunteer experience. And so uh, excited to talk about that. Uh, to everyone listening, thank you again for, for being here with us on, on today's episode. I want to encourage you again to make sure that you are subscribed, make sure that you're downloading these as they come out uh, each week. Share with a friend, write a review. We love to get those and to read them. That encourages us, and uh, we're just so happy with, with how many people are listening each week and uh, and, and able to, to get something hopeful and helpful from this podcast. So thank you guys again for listening. I'm really looking forward to next week, and we hope that we will see you again on that next episode. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.